Well, good morning. Oh, man. I'm worried I'm going to ruin this now. It's like, oh, that was a lot of nice things to be said about camp. Hope I don't blow it. Okay, <laughs> um, a couple things. First, before I even like get to my actual couple of things. Uh, it was so great to see the youngins up here. Uh, no, uh, where are... He's gone. Oh no, he's gone? Oh, I can just talk about him straight now. Okay. Uh, oh really? Noah. Uh, I think he read last year too, didn't he? I think he did. And he's so good at that. Like he is smooth. I was watching and he didn't stumble once. There was no ums. There was no, he didn't have to repeat a word. He was on it a hundred percent. That's really hard. And I think last year I noticed this too, because he did the same thing and I was like, where is this kid coming from? And I believe I promised, which I then broke, so I've lied, so I apologize right off the bat here, that I was gonna give him like a really difficult uh, bit of reading, because I keep giving easy readings, because normally I have to read it, and I don't wanna flub over all the words. But next year, I'm coming, I'm preaching out of a genealogy. It's just gonna be ancient <laughs> Hebrew names from numbers, that's it. Let's see how he does, it'll be 13 next year, let's see how he goes. Um, but then also, uh, Kate and Shay, thanks very much. And Eric as well. Uh, Eric, the young guy. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> we're peers, buddy. Um, so I did my master's, uh, humble brag, uh, a couple years ago and, uh, in leadership. And uh, kind of my, my capstone question was how to make our LT. And LT, just so you know, uh, stands for Leadership Training and Discipleship. It's our high school leadership program at camp. It's a three-year program. It's very good. Uh, it's challenging. It's, it's, it's a ton of work. Uh, the kids have to be really committed to it. Uh, but the question was, how can uh, LTDs uh, be kind of more useful when they're done back in their church? And uh, in that, I got to read this book called Sticky Faith. It's by Kara Powell. And she talks about uh, if you want youth and kids to stay in the church, one of the, one of the research bits that she did was you give them the keys. Sometimes literally you give them the keys, but you give them responsibility. You give them a role 
You give them actual purpose and place in church. And that's what I saw this morning, right? You have three youngins up here, uh, plus your band. I don't know how old your, your, your band members are, but you're youngish. You're young. Um, <laughs> not this side. <laughs> this side was old. <laughs> but I'm guessing they started when they were young. <laughs> But did you see them rocking out? That was awesome. I get to be at assembly uh, next week. So I'm excited. I'm expecting the same jumping around. I'm accepting the same slapping to bass. Uh, I'm excited for that. That was great. Uh, <laughs> oh boy, I'm in trouble. Uh, yeah. Camp also does this, right? And I think that's why uh, camp and church have such a, uh, an important and beautiful connection and relationship. And I think this church, more than most other churches, gets it, uh, where the next generation does matter. Because at some point, we all were the next generation, right? And we all got fed into, and we all had spaces that we could go that were safe for us, that we could practice, that we could practice living out our faith, that we could practice... Um, being in a relationship with God and with others. And you do that here at church. I think Eric does an amazing job and, and your youth team and your volunteers have done an amazing job with that. I can see how much you prioritize uh, youth and children. Uh, and then I think camp does that as well, right? And camp is a partner to the church. So camp, we intentionally create the mountaintop experience. And sometimes people will bash the mountaintop experience. Like, oh yeah, it's just a mountaintop experience. No, mountaintop experiences are important. But here's the thing about mountaintop experiences. They are important and they have a purpose, but it's very singular and it's a small piece of the purpose, right? Why do you go up to a mountaintop? You go up for vision. You go up for clarity. You go up to have kind of this space. You get up above the trees. You get up maybe even above the clouds. And you have this moment of like, oh, I remember, right? I remember. I remember who God is. I remember who I am, and it's amazing, and it's this mountaintop experience. But you know what's not on the mountaintop? Food, water, things that are important to life, right? So you go up to the mountaintop, you have this experience, this encounter, but then you have to go back down, and that's where you're nourished, and that's where you live. And it's really important that we don't confuse that God is only on the mountaintop. He's not. God is everywhere. Right? He is equally on the mountaintop as he is in the valley. But the mount, amen is right. But there is different purpose on the mountaintop and there's different purpose in the valley. Uh, the valley is where you're nurtured, where you have food, where you grow, where you develop. That's church, right? And once a year, once a year, you have to send the kids up to the mountaintop so they can look around and be like, oh yeah, I want to go that direction. That's where I want to go. Uh, and that's what we try and do at church. And then we send them back, right? That's the whole point of camp, is they have to go back afterwards. Because we get them for one week, but you get them for 51 weeks. That's way more important of a role. But we're here to assist, and we're here to join in partnership with you. And everything that we do at camp is just an arm of what you're doing here. We just get, we get the video part of it, right? We get, <laughs> we get to go tubing with the kids and we get to throw them in the mud and they get to throw me in the mud. And it's, uh, oh, there's Eric, he's sitting over there. Normally, I think I, I always remember him sitting over here. Ha ha, trying to hide behind the pillar. Nice try, sucker. Um, so 
camp was founded 103 years ago. 103 years ago, our founders had that vision that camp would be this place set aside to play and to pray. And that's what we do, right? It is part of the church. It has an extra role. It is meant to be a blessing to the church. And that's what we do. And we get to have these kids for a week and we unleash Eric on them for a week and he gets to teach them all these things about what not to do in Bible school. And he sometimes also teaches them about Jesus and the gospel. And hopefully they have this encounter, which is what happened to me, right? I grew up going to church, uh, First Baptist in Red Deer, one of your sister churches, and it was wonderful. But then I went to camp, and that's when God spoke to me. That's when it's like all the noise cleared away, and it was just me and God. And he spoke when I was 15 years old, uh, and that changed my life forever. And now I am who I am um, because of Jesus completely, but I'm so thankful for that space that was set apart uh, for me. So that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing this summer. We're going to uh, create a space where campers connect with Christ. And we're going to do that in a few fun ways. So one new thing that we have this summer. Oh, um, yeah, we're almost full. I'm going to get to that in a second. But <laughs> this is awful of me. I'm going to tell you about how great camp is and then be like, you can't come. Uh, but next year, maybe next year. Uh, we got a new boat. So we're on a lake, but it's barely a lake. Like it's, it's really long, like it's 20 kilometers long, but it's like a slew. Like I'm not joking. Sometimes I have like a joking demeanor, but this is actually a fact. It's this deep. It's this deep. And then it goes to this deep. And then it goes back to this deep. And then it goes to this deep. And then it's back to here and then back to here. Not joking for four hundred meters. It's a long walk until it finally gets to this deep and then it stays this deep for a while and then it finally drops like 20 feet. So we got a pontoon boat. And if you don't know what a pontoon boat is, it's like a party boat. So it's basically like a flat deck with three, because it's, it's big, it's got three pontoons on it and then this massive motor out the back. We can, it's 25 feet long, it's 300 horsepower. We can fit two, yeah, we can fit two cabins on it. So we can fit, like, well, like, the kids are small, so you like, <laughs> it's legal, don't worry, we're always above, we're always legal. But we can fit like 18 people on this boat and still water ski and two behind it. Like, it's gonna be awesome. But we're gonna pick them up shallow, take them out to the drop-off where it gets a little bit deeper. And I've just ordered, and it should be coming this week, an inflatable iceberg. So we can like basically ferry kids out, have them play out in the deep, play on the iceberg, king of the castle, that sort of thing, while the other cabin goes tubing and whatnot, then they come back, they swap, and that's what we do. So that's kind of our new fun uh, program thing this year. It's gonna be a blast, and I'm very excited for it. Uh, but you probably can't come because we're probably sold out of the week that's your age, which is too bad. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, so, is there an age limit? Yes and no. So here's the good news. The good news is we actually are filling up, which is amazing. We've already got over a thousand registrations uh, for this summer, and we'll max out at a little over 1,100. So there's about 100 spots left. Um, but one of the spots that is available is family camp. We have six cabins left for family camp, uh, and that's 
all ages. Uh, so if you're looking for an all-inclusive uh, you know, family holiday this summer where we cook for you, we clean for you, and you get to do all the fun stuff that comes with camp, but you get to do it as a family. Uh, family camp, we do still have some spots. Uh, we've got some spots left for our high school camp and then for our younger camps as well. But LTD is full, Inter's full, Junior Teens is full, Tween is full, and the rest are on their way. So if you're younger or older, there's still spots for you. Uh, and we'd love to have you. Um, this is a key church for us. Uh, you matter a lot to me. Um, so we're, we're owned by the Canadian Baptist of Western Canada, Canada. That's who owns the property. Uh, and then there's other camps within the denomination or within the association. And we serve the Edmonton and Calgary corridor. So there's about 30 churches that we directly serve. Uh, and there's there's a handful of churches that I really appreciate, that I really feel a connection with and kind of a, a kindred relationship with. And you are one of those churches. So and, and there's not many. I'm not going to say how many in case somebody's watching, uh, but you're one of them and you mean a lot to me. So thank you very much. Um, one of the interesting things about having a growing number of campers is it actually costs us more. So we lose money every time a kid comes to camp. It costs somewhere around 900 bucks uh, for a kid to come to camp. And we only charge about half. So about 450, 480 bucks for a kid to come to camp, which is a lot. That's a lot. But we have to go and find another 450 bucks on top of that. So we do that through rentals, we have an RV park, we get as many grants as we can, but we also need donations. And you have been very generous and we appreciate it very much uh, for your donations. So this year we're continuing, we need donations. We're in a bounce back year financially, but I wanna thank you for your past support and I'd love to invite you into future and hopefully present support as well. Uh, and I've been at the camp for 16 years and for a long time I was like, we need your money. But I, I didn't start like that. I was like, I would really like you to pray for the camp, but really I need your money. <laughs> As I've gotten older, and now that I've gone through the last three years with COVID, I, I want to switch that. We need your money. Absolutely, we need your money. The, the bills need to be paid for sure. But I have seen God's hand bless us in ways that and I don't use this word lightly, that feel miraculous. Uh, there's no way that we should have survived financially these last few years. We just did a major capital campaign to celebrate our 100th. We raised over $2.5 million during COVID, where we couldn't even run camp. And in the, on top of that, we also raised enough to stay alive operationally. That's phenomenal. That is the work of the Lord, blessing us through you, blessing us through other congregations, and blessing us through other individuals. And that doesn't come from me making a good ask, right? That's not pitch-based, where I'm like, oh, if I just say the right words, you'll donate. That is because God is blessing the camp through you. So <laughs> I really mean it when I say, I need your prayers. I need your prayers, because I know that God is going to take care of us. But we need to be humble. We need to be obedient. We need to be careful. We need to be wise. Uh, we are dealing with young people. Shay and Kate are amazing. Amazing. But they're going to be in charge. And they're young. Like, really young. We need God's help. 
They need God's help. Um, they really are wonderful. But this is crazy. We're going to trust 1,000 plus kids with 18-year-olds, and they're going to do fantastic. But we need God's hand of, of protection and blessing and wisdom on us at all times. So please pray for us. Um, yeah, I really need that, and I, I beg you of that. Uh, okay, so a good friend, and I can't remember if it was, if it was Matthew or Eric that mentioned this. Uh, I think it was Matthew. They kind of talked about this a little bit, but camp being you know, equally important now. So a good friend of mine, uh, who's in his 80s, uh, he's a mentor, told me a few years ago that he believes that camp is actually going to be more important tomorrow than it was yesterday. And at first, I did not believe him because I've seen how much good has happened at camp over the decades. And while I certainly believe that camp ministry is important, I don't know, or I didn't know, if I believed that it was more important than it has been. Because we've got a hundred year history. But I've been watching our culture change over the past 15 years, right? I've been at camp 16 years, I've seen it change. And now I fully agree with him. Camp is more important now culturally, relative to culture, than it was before. And it likely will be more important tomorrow. Uh, so I'm 40. I didn't grow up with the internet, right? I didn't grow up with cell phones. I got a cell phone as a gift when I got married. But my kids, I have four kids, they have never seen a world without those things. If you're 20 or under, you have never seen a world without cell phones. Like you don't understand how that could exist. And I see how kids interact differently, especially the older ones, right? Especially the teens, like my kids, my two older ones. They're connecting constantly, but not often in person. And camp offers a space to reset that. Uh, so as Matthew did mention, we do have lots of conversation about phones and screens and things like that, and we don't allow them. Camp offers a space to reset. We interact in the present. And technology is amazing. I'm not, I'm not dissing technology here. I love to be able to text or Zoom with somebody across the world. But it is so good and so important to spend a week in real relationship, only interacting with the people in front of you in real time. My daughter uh, is 16. And last two summers, she spent six weeks at camp because she's a leader. And these yahoos are going to spend more time than that this summer. Six weeks, 16 years old, voluntarily offering to go without a cell phone. That's a gift. As a parent, that's a gift. That's worth the price of admission right there, right? It's like, oh, you're going to teach about Jesus as well? And they're going to make friends? Amazing. But whoa, no phones? Sign me up. Unfortunately, you can't come because we're already full. But next year, <laughs> um, everything we do at camp points to going deep in relationship with God and with others. And one of the greatest gifts that camp can offer to youth is to be completely present, to be completely present for a week. Uh, it's actually something I've noticed have a huge benefit in my kids, even though it's fun sometimes to watch like the older kids at camp because they kind of like detox. Like the first few days, they're like, they're, they're just jonesing for it, right? Which I get it because adults, when's the last time you went a week without your phone? But it was 20 years ago. Uh, so I actually wonder if I need that for myself, right? Maybe we need a camp for adults. Because it's very easy for me to look at my kids and how much they're using their devices, you know, kind of wag my finger and collect my tongue. 
but I'm on my phone way too much. If I looked at it realistically, especially through the winter, I'm on it almost as much as my teenage daughter, which is a lot. Uh, now, I'm not gonna dwell on COVID, that, that's not what I'm here, uh, but I found this to be especially true over the past three years. I'm different now than I was three years ago. I've seen it in my life, and frankly, I don't like it. I don't go out as much as I used to. I don't volunteer as much as I used to. I'm certainly more anxious and moody than I have been. And COVID has been a very convenient excuse for me to be more anxious. It's been stressful, right? To be more moody, oh, I'm out of my rhythm. And to be more closed off, ah, everything's scary, right? But it's done now. I know it's not really done, but the cultural wave of it is done. And yet I continue to have a hard time being who I want to be. I kind of had to like pull myself aside. If you ever do that, like pull yourself aside, and you're like, hey, what are you doing? Uh, but I had to pull myself aside around Christmas time and have a little talk to myself because I'd become someone that I didn't want to be. And I saw myself digging a deeper and deeper and deeper rut. And honestly, I'm still not out of that rut. It's a real struggle for me. Uh, I noticed that I have made real movement in the last few months since I had that little talk, and I'm really happy about that. I'll celebrate that. But it was years of digging that rut, right? And it wasn't fixed overnight. And honestly, summer helps. The longer days of sunshine, the better weather. It's just easier in the summer. But I don't want to go back to where I was at before. I like this so much better. I don't want to fall back into the rut of isolation and anxiety. And that leads me to the scripture that I have for today, which you already heard, but I'm going to read it again because it's so lovely. Let's see if I screw it up. You can watch me now. Any, any flubs? This is from Psalm, Psalm 1. Uh, and I'm reading from the, the NIV, so it'll be slightly different than what's up here. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Take that, Noah. <laughs> uh, I love this passage. <laughs> oh, I ruined it. It's such a good passage, I can't believe I couldn't restrain from making a joke there. Ah, too bad. Anyways, go back to that. Blesses the one. I love this passage. I genuinely do. It's one of my, my favorite passages in the Bible. Uh, it's poetic. It's full of imagery, but it's also clear and inspiring to me, right? Uh, and there, there are kind of two distinct passages here. There's, there's the way of the wicked and the sinner, and there's the way of the blessed and the righteous. And I find that in my life, you know, I actually find myself all over this passage. I find myself in, in all parts of this passage. Because sometimes I regretfully find myself right there with the wicked and the sinners. And sometimes I delightfully find myself with the blessed and the righteous. Sometimes it's even in the same day. 
But more often, I find myself oscillating in longer seasons of weeks or months. It feels more like a wave pattern. It starts with me doing really well, right? I am right there with Jesus. My prayer life is great. I feel so connected with God. I am kind to others. I'm generous. I'm patient. The fruit of the Spirit is evident in my life, right? Like I walk out into nature and birds, birds land on my shoulders, right? <laughs> That's how spiritual I am. Not really. But you, you get the picture, right? I feel so secure in the Lord. I'm in tune and I'm following his path. And I love those seasons. During camp season, I'm up early to have my prayer and meditation with God because I need to. I need to. But not only do I need to, I want to. I completely need God to guide and protect me. And he does. And I love that feeling. So I look forward to my time with him each day and the closeness I feel throughout the day. It is awesome. And that's the season I'm in right now, right? It's the end of May, summer's coming. I am in that season and I love it. I love every day of it. But then camp ends, right? And for me, it's not metaphorical. For me, it actually camp does end. For you, it might be like a metaphorical season of camp, but it's like, no, no, for me, camp actually does end. And the fall comes. And there isn't the same urgency and need. My routine changes. I don't have the same daily conversation with God, asking for the things I need that day. I'm not desperate for God, right? So I get complacent. I don't have to start every day asking for guidance and grace. I start doing things my own power without turning to God first. And I start faltering and I pick up some bad habits and I find myself in a place I don't want to be. I'm not living how I want to be. I'm not anchored in Christ as securely as I would like. And I feel the stress and the weight of life. And I need to repent, literally repent, which just means to turn, right? I need to turn. I need to turn and put down the bad habits and remember who I want to be and how to do that. I wonder if I'm alone in this. And if I am alone in this, then I'm going to waste the next 10 minutes of your time but if not, and you might be able to relate with this, I've got good news and better news. And I know some people are like, no, 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 I'm, I'm consistent, and that's wonderful. But I know for some of us, there are seasons, and it is more of a challenge. And if for you, it is a challenge, and maybe you're in a rough season right now, the good news is that this is really the rhythm and the story of God's people in the Bible. The Bible is just story after story after story of closeness and intimacy with God, and then disobedience, and then separation, and then repentance and restoration, then incredible relationship. And the story repeats on and on and on and on. Right in the beginning, right? Page one of the Bible, Adam and Eve in the garden, incredible relationship. Then disobedience, separation, and then repentance and restoration. For another just simple and clear example, look at the Israelites, right? They cry out from slavery. God rescues them from Egypt. Amazing, thank God, super close. They have Passover, there's this intimacy with God. Then they start complaining. And before you know it, they're building golden idols to false gods like that, like it's so fast. Like, how do you do that? And like, oh yeah, my life. 
There are dozens of stories that follow this similar pattern all throughout the Bible. So if you have fallen into this path, you are not alone. But just because it happened in the Bible doesn't mean it's a good thing and that it's the ideal. In fact, the Bible is clear that this is not the ideal. And I brought these two simple examples because I noticed something in these stories that I also noticed in Psalm 1, which is our scripture for today, and that is a progression. And it won't take too much time to get into specific details, but there's a progression, right? They start off well. And then there's this element of doubt, okay? Doubt. Where they wonder if everything they were told is really the only way. For Adam and Eve, the serpent plants a seed of doubt in their minds. For the Israelites, hunger and tiredness made them doubt if God is really guiding them. Then they shift to distrust. Adam and Eve stop trusting that God wants what's best for them. Why would he not want them to have knowledge? What is he hiding, right? Distrust. The Israelites didn't trust that God was going to protect them in the desert. He was taking too long with Moses and they were afraid. What if they starved? What if someone attacked them? They had distrust. And then this led to disobedience. Adam and Eve didn't trust that God wanted what was best for them, so they broke the only rule in the garden. They disobeyed and ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The Israelites didn't trust that God was enough, so they built a false God to worship in his place. They disobeyed by turning to another God. Doubt, distrust, disobedience, progression. And I see that just like in Psalm 1, a progression, right? Verse 1 goes, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, right? Do you see that progression, right? So you got walking. Walking has a bit of an inertia to it, right? It's easy to just change course when you're walking. You're moving, you're flowing, and then if you're like, oh, I don't like this direction, you just change directions. You got energy. Then when you're standing, it's a little bit different, right? I'm walking, I'm moving. Oh, I might just stay here for a bit. It's hard to get that momentum going again, right? You need to be pulled off of that spot. And then they're sitting. You were wondering what this box was for. <laughs> Represents sin. Sitting, right? Stationary, complacent comfortable, harder to move from, walking, easy to change course, or easier. Standing, you're there, but once you're sitting, you're in it, right? So I wonder, are you stuck anywhere? Where are you stuck? Where have you sat with mockers? Where are you walking with the wicked? Where are you standing in sin? And is this what you want? Because I've found this progression in my life, especially over the last few years, like I mentioned. And it was no singular action, right? I didn't just jump right to sitting. I was like, I'm doing great sitting. It was like, no. It progressed, it built up. I was stressed. My rhythm changed. I lost my good habits and started flirting with bad habits. I had doubt that God knew it was best. 
I had distrust that he could take care of all my needs. And I disobeyed, looking for other ways to ease my anxiety or my worry or my stress. I was careless as I turned to escape, distraction, isolation. And that led me to walk, stand, and even sit, sin. Uh, we all know that the people we spend time with have huge influence on our lives, right? I can show you your future by looking at the five people you spend the most time with, right? The people we're around influence us. The psalm uh, literally talks about walking, standing, or sitting with the people who influence us. And this is most certainly true. But now in our lifetime, different from the psalms, there's this extra layer of media on top of this, right? How much time are we spending with media? Are you spending with time, or are you spending your time with people who are wicked, sinners, or mockers in real life? And are you spending time with people who are wicked, sinners, or mockers in your media life? Are you consuming and spending time absorbing images, ideas, or comments that are wicked, sinful, or mocking? Is there an area in your life where you are walking with the wicked, or standing with sinners, or sitting with mockers? Have you gotten stuck anywhere? Well, the good news is that your story is echoed throughout the Bible. But the even better news, the actual good news, the real good news, is that Jesus is here, right? Jesus is here. And Jesus came for the lost. Whenever I stray or falter, whenever I disobey, Jesus is there waiting for me to turn and trust him to restore me to health. Do you need to pause and turn to Jesus to come and rescue you? And now the second part of the song. Whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. I want to be like the tree planted by the stream who produces fruit in season and whose leaf does not wilt. I cannot think of any image more pleasant than that. I want that. I want that so badly. I want it for myself. I want it for my kids. I want it for my friends. I want it for all the campers at camp. I want it for you. How wonderful would that be if we all had that sense of being a tree planted by a stream. And I want that every day, not just my best days, not just my good days, I want that every day. And this Psalm tells us how to make that happen. The one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. The one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Are you meditating on scripture? I know that sounds so trite, so cliche, right? Just read the Bible. You having a bad day? Read your Bible. You having a tough slump? Read your Bible. But what if we just started there, right? What if that was the entry point? For me, when I'm reading my Bible, when I'm meditating on the Word of the Lord, right? When I'm sitting in it, 
I'm not just reading it to check it off the list, but I'm actually letting it speak into my life. I'm letting the word of God be the word of God. I'm in a good place. And for me, this isn't a should, as in I should be doing this, even though it is a should. For me, it's a want. I want to do this because I want to be like a tree planted by a stream. And yet, it's still a challenge for me, right? It's like, how is this hard? Why is this hard? It's obviously so good, but it's still a challenge. And I go in and out of seasons, reading my Bible consistently. So I try and make it easy. I look to make it enjoyable and something that I genuinely look forward to because I know that reading my Bible is good for me, but if I can make it enjoyable, then it doesn't feel like a chore. Then I'm going to be way more likely to do it all the time. So the way I do that is I start small. What is the smallest amount I could read to make a positive difference? Uh, a while ago, a few years ago, I was reading a book each weekend. Basically, I only committed to read the Bible on the weekends, and I loved it. I looked forward to Monday to Friday, didn't have to worry about it. Saturday to Sunday, Bible time. Uh, and that didn't mean like I couldn't read the Bible Monday to Friday. It was just like, I'm not going to beat myself up if I don't read it Monday or Friday. But on the weekends, I'm gonna pick a time, I'm gonna pick a book, and I'm gonna read the whole book of the Bible, ideally in one sitting. And it became incredibly enjoyable. I'd make a cup of tea, I'd sit in my favorite chair, and I could read a short book or a long book, depending on my schedule or what I was, just what I needed that day. But during COVID, ironically, when I had the most time, I lost the habit. The days didn't mean anything. Monday, Sunday, Tuesday, it didn't matter. They all blended together, and I lost the habit. So then for Lent, this past year leading up to Easter, I read one chapter of one gospel a day. That was it, just one chapter. And I picked just the stories of Jesus. I wasn't trying to read them in order. I was like, I'm going to read a story about Jesus doing something incredible. And I missed a few days. I'm, I, I did. It wasn't perfect. But... I really enjoyed doing it. I wanted to do it. I love reading stories about Jesus. So I began looking forward to it. And then since Easter, I'm back into reading a book a weekend, starting small and, in, and, and starting into something that was enjoyable. And that sparked the desire and the habit back for me. So yesterday, again, humble brag, I read 1 Samuel, not a super short book, not a super long book. It was a great day. I felt like reading. It took me about 90 minutes to read 1 Samuel. But the weekend before, I read Jude, and it took me four minutes. And I timed it just so I could tell you. Four minutes. And I read an entire book of the Bible. Four minutes. And it was awesome. I didn't fully understand everything, but I was there, and I was in it, and I was connecting, and I was meditating on it. Are you caught in a slump? Are you in a funk? And do you long to be a tree planted by a stream who bears fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither? What habits are you walking with? Who are you standing with? What are you sitting in? Just like there's a progression of bad habits, there can be a progression of good habits too. Try walking with the Bible. Then stand with it and sit in it, right? This is what we try and do at camp. I have to bring it back into close here. We introduce campers to Jesus and to some good friends and to some role models. We model a healthy life 
where they can be like trees planted by streams of water. We show them how to delight in the word of the Lord. We tell them the gospel story, the gospel story that God is good and he created you out of his goodness with intention and care. And even though brokenness entered the world and we fell separate from God and our true goodness, God, through love and sacrifice, covered the gap through Jesus so that the brokenness could be forgiven and restored so that we could be in full relationship with God while he works, works to make all things right again. So if you have a kid or a grandkid or you know a kid or you've seen a kid, we would love to have them at camp. Probably not this year because we're full, but next year for sure. And we'd love to be able to tell them this story, right? We'd love for them to come for a week and have a space created for them where they can connect with Christ and hear the gospel message. Uh, and I hope that you know this story and are living this story in your daily life. And if you find yourself walking, standing, or sitting with people or behaviors that are not serving you well, then repent, right? Turn. Turn to Jesus and turn to other people and behaviors and start walking, standing, and sitting with them. And when in doubt, read your Bible. Uh, I'm going to be out there uh, after church. I love talking about camp. I love talking about Jesus. So please come chat me up. Otherwise, it's kind of boring for me. Uh, so I'd love to chat with you. And yeah, again, I just want to thank you so much as a church and a congregation. Camp is completely just an extension of your ministry here. We could not do it without you. We are part of you, and we're very thankful for you. So thank you very much. Uh, let me pray for us, and I'll invite worship team back up, I think. I think that's it. Let me pray. Holy God, I thank you so much for this church. God, I thank you for your hand of blessing on them. As they have gone through their seasons of incredible fruit and also seasons of challenge. God, I thank you for the individuals here <clears throat> who love you and who long for you and who desire to be in close, close relationship with you. God, I pray you bless them. God, may they be like trees planted by streams of living water. May they bear good fruit in abundance in season. God, may they prosper well in you, in your spirit. God, we praise in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.